Westgate family, how we doing? Let's stand up and worship together. So much to be thankful for this morning. Praise Jesus for our freedom. Speak against my ball of innocence. The judge is my defense. I'm going free. Right when the gavel fell, I heard the freedom bell ring through the heart of hell. I'm going free. I'm going free. Come on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. You threw my shackles in the sea.
right? Yes. How many of y'all got the joy this morning? How many of y'all got the joy of the Lord? Did you bring it with you? Yeah, is there joy in this house?
Welcome to Westgate Chapel. We are so excited you chose to worship with us today. My prayer, I know the prayer of our staff and everybody on this team behind me and up in the booth is that you would encounter God in a unique and mighty way this morning and leave changed. That is our prayer each and every Sunday. Um, Again, we love you and we're so excited you chose to worship with us. If you are a first time guest, we want to get to know you better. So check out the guest services area before you leave and you can fill out the connection Excuse me, the connection card in the pew in front of you, or we have this really awesome thing called the Westgate Chapel app. What? I know some of you are like, okay, Adam, you plug this every time. I know, because it's awesome, okay? It tells you all the ways you can get plugged in here at Westgate, all the things that are going on. And even if you don't have a smartphone, that's totally cool. We have a website that tells you what's going on here too. So please check out that stuff as well. And also, more importantly than any of that, we want to know how we can pray for you. If you got something going on in your life, something you need prayer for, we as a staff and elders, we, we pray for you guys and gals every single week. So please, we care about you. We want to pray for you. Um, so yeah, please let us know how we can pray for you. Now I'm going to bring up someone who's pretty awesome. I'm not biased at all because we share the same last name and a house and a kid or anything like that. She's just that amazing, isn't she? Yeah? You give it up for Marlena Burrow. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Adam. Um, If you missed that part, we're married. So, uh, (laughs) yes, for sure married. Um, Okay. (laughs) I'm so glad that you guys are here today. And I just wanted to share a little story with you this morning. And um, if you don't know me, I'm, uh, again, Marlena, the Kids Ministry Director. And my husband and I, Adam, we have struggled um, for many years with infertility. And it was something that from the very beginning we thought, oh, we'll wait a few years and then we'll start trying and we'll have, you know, how many, three kids, that kind of thing. And that didn't happen for us. And so we tried for many years. And um, after about seven years, we decided this is just not what God wants for us. And we were okay with that. Still hard, many tears, um, many trials and hard things uh, that come along with that if you haven't walked that journey. But... One of the amazing things is that God, we started praying to him that if he would grow our family through adoption. And so we started the process of adoption, which if you have not been through that, is very, very hard, right? Like anybody can just go have a kid at the hospital, but you have to have a fire marshal come to your house and prove that you do all this kind of stuff. And um, it is not an easy thing. And so you finally get approved and then you wait, and you wait and you wait some more and you pray that God would um, have a child for you. And so we were blessed uh, five years ago with our son Anson, who's sitting right over there. Can you wave? Hi, Anson. We were blessed with an incredible son and birth mom who we could not have asked for um, that relationship to be any better. And so he is our joy and we are so blessed to have him in our lives. 
Um, and so we got to, we were not here very long when this happened. We had been walking through this, and this church, I think we had been here about a year, this church wrapped their arms around us. I think we had two showers after he was born, and most of these people I didn't even know. And they showed up, you guys showed up, and you loved us so well. And we were able to dedicate him just a few months after he was born. And during child dedication, if you've never been to a dedication, each of our families receive a quilt. And this was the quilt that we received. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I had no idea that they made quilts for each family. I'm like, who is doing this, right? Like little uh, ninjas come in at night and make these quilts. Um, Of course, that wasn't true. And so I, I asked around afterwards and I was like, who made this beautiful quilt that I got to take home and wrap around my child who I'd prayed for so long and hours. I don't know if you guys sew or quilt. I can like barely sew at all, but this is hours and hours and hours of work. And so I found out later that there is a ministry of our church called Threads of Love. And this ministry hand sews quilts for every single child who is dedicated on to our church on this stage. They also make blankets for our pregnancy help center and they do all these amazing things. And I had no idea that they even existed. And yet I felt so loved by people I didn't even know. And so I tell you that because I want you to know that this church does some amazing things that you don't even probably know about. You hear me talk about kids ministry. You hear Steve and Dan talk about student ministry. You obviously see our incredible worship team. But there are tons of people that are represented by these ministries who give their hands and their feet to serve the people of this church and this community. So on February 12th, we're going to have a ministry fair. And you might just be like, oh, I've been to those before. They're just going to beg for people to serve, which is not true. And we're not going to do that. But what we do want to do is that we have tasked all of the ministries of our church. I think there's going to be 13 or 14 ministries represented. You get to come and hear from them, not only ways to participate, but for ways to serve. And if you're new to our church or if you've been here for 30 years, I guarantee you, just like me, there's something that you don't know about. So come, we're going to, it's not just about information. We're going to have food. Who likes food in here? Anybody? Yeah. Mini corn dogs, cotton candy, popcorn, churros, and their Costco churros. I don't know if you ever had a Costco churro. The best. So we're going to have all kinds of yummy food. We're going to do balloon animals for the kids. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff. So do not let February 12th go by. It's going to be after eat, between the two services and after the last service. Join us. Come have fun. Come eat. And come find out the ways that you can help be a part of making this church the hands and feet of Jesus to Um, everyone that we meet. And right now, it's going to be time for you guys. Everybody stand up. I want you to look around, find someone maybe you don't know, and say hello, and maybe tell them something that you're thankful for today.
battle You see my victory When all I see is a mountain You see a mountain moved And as I walk through the shadow Your love surrounds me There's nothing to fear now For I am safe with you So when I fight, I fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Yes, you do. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress. Yeah, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power. Shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, yeah, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing. Stand 
God is so good. Amen. Do you believe the battle truly belongs to God? Because it does. I'm sure there are some people in here that struggle that are struggling with that right now. Maybe there's a battle you're holding on to. Man. There's a lot of hard things that we go through in this life, right? Just have that conversation, right? We right, we, we there's a lot that we struggle with, that we struggle through, we wrestle with. Maybe you're here today and you're and you're like, you know, we sang this song about joy earlier, and we even did the fun little joy, 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 joy down in my heart. But I'm not feeling super joyful. Maybe you're, maybe you're, maybe you're not able to process that that joy. Maybe you're dealing with grief. Maybe something else. And Marlena said earlier, you know, we we get a lot of joy from our son, but that's not the source of our joy much as I love Anson. He's not the source of my joy. The source of my joy comes from Jesus Christ. Because when we sing a song about having joy in this house, or having joy, we're not saying you have to be as energetic or as myself or Doug up here. Like <laughs> Every time you come in on a Sunday morning, but the reality is, if you're a believer, that joy is still there. That joy is still there waiting in the mud. Because Jesus is right there with you the whole time. He wants you to surrender these things. Maybe you're saying, Adam, all I have is despair this morning. All I have is anger. All I have is I'm, I'm empty. Guess what? God wants your emptiness. He wants you to surrender that to him. Because I promise you, he will do something with it that you can't even believe. So in this moment right now, I want to invite everybody just to go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes. And you, well, sorry, you can look at me real quick, but I want you to hold out your hands like this, just like this. This is something you're bringing to God. Right? You're bringing your life to Him. And if I just described you a second ago, maybe, maybe you, I'm going to take it a step further. Maybe if you're one of those people that you have something that you're really struggling letting on, letting, letting go of. And this is where I want your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want you to flip those hands over. That's your act of turning it over to God. Surrendering it to Him. These next few moments, just breathe Him in. Breathe in your Savior. Just continue to worship Him in whatever posture you want. If you're like, Adam, I don't, want to, I don't want to do anything with my hands right now. That's fine. Just keep worshiping him. But God wants you to surrender to him because you can't truly serve him until you surrender. You can't truly receive what he has for you this morning until you lay that down at his feet. So we just sing about it. In the next few moments, just breathe him in. Do whatever you have to do.
hard, it's so hard to let go. Whether it's the wounded places in our life or um, the hurts, Father, or even our dreams and our hopes, Lord, those are so hard to let go of. But Father, I know that you're trustworthy. You're trustworthy with every part. You created us. You're the Alpha and Omega. You already know the end. You wrote it. It's amazing. I thank you that we can trust you, Lord, with every part of our story that you're writing. We just, just let this be the cry of our hearts. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us ears to hear. To your glory, God. In your name we pray. Amen. Would you continue in an act of worship this morning through giving? Um, there are offering buckets in the middle. If those of you at the middle aisle would pass those out, we'd appreciate it. Thank you. that you are here with us this morning. Uh, brave that cold weather out there. That's nothing, right? Easy. Just a little wet, easy Ohio weather. We love it. Well, my name's Steve Fisher. If we haven't met yet, I uh, work with our, I'm one of the pastors on staff, work with our high school students. Get to speak to you this morning. Uh, kind of find it ironic that uh, what I'm speaking on, I'll kind of well, we all know we're in a series card called Guardrails, and I get the fifth commandment, which is honor your mother and your father. So all you mothers and fathers out there can judge how well I've been teaching your kids. Um, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be speaking with you this morning. Um, as, as we look at this, we see that... Um, the, this idea that Rob presented was, you remember the image was these cliffs in California that he's driving on and as he's going around these mountainous turns, right, and corners, and there's these guardrails to protect us for our good so that we don't fall off of them. And so when we look at scripture, we look at, man, what are the guardrails God has set up for us? And a good place to start is the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments is, is not when any of those laws came to be, we would say that those have always been, that this is, sometimes we say things like God's moral law or his character. I often like to say his wisdom that has been on display and then gets put into writing here when we get to the Ten Commandments, but it came before and it's staying after. And so as we look at those guardrails and judging for ourselves, and, and for me, my picture is, if you've ever driven out 80 through Pennsylvania, anybody have taken that, a couple of you? That's the worst road in the world. 
It's the worst. When we lived, I grew up here, if you know my story, in South Toledo, but then moved out to the East Coast and was out there for about 15 years. And so I was on 80 a lot through Pennsylvania. And it's two lanes, lots of trucks, narrow, the mountains through in the middle, just curving, swerving, the fog, treacherous. You're white knuckling it all the way through. And so that's my image when, when Rob brought that up. I'm like, oh, I have that image. And so maybe you have one in your mind that these guardrails are put up for our good so that we don't go off. And so today, like I said, we're going to be talking about our mothers and fathers. And so I've been sitting there thinking about moms and dads and students and kids and the relationship we have with our parents. And this is an overgeneralization, but just humor me in this. When we're young, we look often as our parents, as our heroes. Our parents are the ones that protect us, uh, provide for us. Mom and dad are big and strong and man, they can open all the jars and open the top cabinet, right? They're amazing. But then when you start working with my age group, middle school, high school, mom and dad aren't heroes anymore. Like, actually, I'm trying to avoid mom and dad. Maybe like, I don't really want to be around them. They're, I think they're crazy. Uh, they don't get me. They don't understand, right? I'm trying to avoid them because I start to see things in a new light. And yeah, that's where a lot of our middle school and high school land. But then you get a little bit older, maybe end of high school, college, maybe first job. Your parents, you're not trying to ignore, uh, to ignore them anymore. Now maybe they're just kind of annoying. But you start to realize, actually, maybe they have something for me. I don't like hearing it over and over, but actually there might be some wisdom there. And then you have your kids. You get married, you have your own you know, house and everything. And you start calling mom and dad up going, how do you get the kids to bed? Right? Like, how do you, how do you keep all the, all the bills in line? Like, how, are you, how did you do this? And all of a sudden our parents become very wise because I'm struggling and I need your help. And now I'm not trying to avoid you. Can you please take the kids? Like, please, I'm begging you. But ironically, what happens is I think then we start to go backwards as we start getting even older. And now I've heard my parents and, I, and, and they had so much wisdom, but now they're stepping back into the annoying phase a little bit. You still got a lot of wisdom, but yeah, that's not how we're going to do things. Or that's not, I, I know, you've told me this. I, I don't want to hear this again. But we still like them. We want to be around them. And unfortunately, it seems like, at least in our culture, none, maybe none of you, but then it's like we're back to wanting to avoid them again. Right? They're, they're kind of crazy. They don't understand everything. They're very needy. Right? And I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't do another Sunday dinner. But then, I've seen this a lot, the parent passes away. And then all of a sudden, they become our hero once again. And we remember everything that they did for us. All the ways that they cared and took, took care of us. Uh, the wisdom that they had. And we didn't even realize it until maybe they were gone. And it's this weird, at least I think in our culture, this, this we go from hero to I don't really want to be around you, you're annoying, to wisdom, and then back again. And so we're going to look through scripture today and, and see what it says about our parents and how we should interact with them. 
If you are a parent in the room, this isn't your time to start taking notes so that on your ride home you can go, did you hear what Pastor Steve said? Can I encourage you with this? This is the hardest thing to do, I think, when coming to church. Instead of listening for someone else, I listen for myself. And so I don't take notes to show someone else. I take notes so that I can remind myself that this is what God calls me to do, not someone else. Okay, first, uh, we've went through the commandments. Uh, Exodus 20, we'll start there. Um, in Exodus 20, we have this commandment. Honor your father and your mother, that, your days may, that you may have long days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and mother. In studying this, I, I found a lot of people sometimes put honor and respect together. I, I think those two should be separate, and here's why. Respect is often a feeling that we have. Uh, maybe it's an admiration for something that someone has done. We admire their work ethic. I have a lot of respect for the way he works. Maybe we admire the way that they've raised their family. Got a lot of respect for their family. Maybe it's how they manage their money. But this is really more of an inward, this is, this is inward focus. This is just a feeling. Honoring, on the other hand, what I would say is honoring is an action. Think of the ways that we honor people. We, in the scriptures, we see all the time that you get placed at the seat of honor. Right? You get placed at the seat of honor. When we say someone has done a great job, we're going to honor them. If someone's done something truly heroic, sometimes would you honor them with a moment of silence? When we, at a high school game, and they do the national anthem, right? And we stand in honor of our nation, of those who have served, right? There's an action associated with it. And so I'd love for you to think today with this idea of honor being an action, that there's an action to honoring. There's an action to honoring. And so as we think of, okay, how do I honor? So we have this commandment, honor your father and your mother. How do I do that? I think some of the ways we do that is by looking at what we should not do. And so honoring your parents is a big deal throughout all of Scripture. Huge. There's so many references that we could hit, okay? But let me, I'm going to hit a couple, at least in the Old Testament, where we see uh, not just the command to honor father and mother, but then even the consequence that God had set up in that time for that culture at that space of what happens if you don't do this. And here's Exodus 21, 15. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Leviticus 29. Anyone who curses his father and his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father and his mother. His blood is upon him. Deuteronomy 27.16. Cursed be anyone who dishonors his father and his mother. And all the people shall say, Amen. This is a stiff penalty for not honoring. And when we look at thinking of honor as an action, right, one of the ways we can look at it, what are the actions that we should not be doing? And so one of them was in the way that we speak. We shouldn't curse our father and mother. This doesn't mean just, right, I'm saying a curse word to them, right? We need it. It's not that simplistic. It is the way that I speak about them. Do I demean them with my language? Do I speak poorly about them, whether to their face or behind their back. Now, I want to make a 
quick caveat. This does not mean you need to lie about your parents and their actions. Um, someone at first service just brought that to my attention that maybe I want to make sure that that is very clearly stated. I am not talking about being honest about what is really happening with your parents. Do you hear me on that? That is, I'm not advocating for that. And even throughout this, I will not advocate when I say honor is not placing yourself in a position to be abused or taken advantage of. Okay. So one, it's honor is how we speak to our parents. The other is actually the physical altercation, right? We shouldn't abuse them. We shouldn't hit them. This is a big deal, both physically and verbally, how we treat our parents. And the penalty was death. And did you catch it? It says that the blood will be on them, the person that does it. Do you ever have a coworker that is not doing what they should in the company, maybe? I mean, I don't have any coworkers like that. Just so you know, my coworkers are great. But you have this, I've had other jobs, and you have a coworker who's not like, man, they are not doing their part. And then they get in trouble and everybody like in the company is like, yep, that was on them. That's kind of what it's saying. It's saying it's on, the blood is on their fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's their fault. And then did you catch it at the end? The kid that dishonors his parents are cursed and then all the people will say, amen. It's a big deal to God. Honoring your father and mother is even added when we see in the New Testament of, it talks about, don't be deceived. Here are things that we do that we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then we get that big list and some of them are like outrageous, like of murderers, of course, they're not inheriting the kingdom of God. But then we have like disobedient to our parents. That's a sobering one to think about, that that's in there. This is a big deal. Over and over, we see this spoke of. Jesus says this about when he's talking about the commands of honor your father and mother. And so honoring is an action that we do or in an action that we don't do. And so I don't speak poorly of my parents. Instead, I would build them up. I am not going to physically hurt them and bring them down. I'm going to physically build them up. I think this is what we see through Scripture. And there's no loopholes. There's no caveats to this. There's no age restriction. I love a good loophole. Ah, I love it. It's a kid, I, I still, I'm like, yeah, but technically. You ever do that? It's like, technically, get, a, get, a, get out of it. But we don't, we don't have that. When it speaks to honoring, we don't have honor them if they deserve it. We don't have honor them if they don't do this. Honor them for so long and then you can be done. We get honor them. Honor them. To build them up, to bring them up through our actions and our words. Not just, I really, I really do honor my parents. I mean, I don't do anything to help them. I make fun of them constantly. I speak poorly of them. I really honor them. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's actions associated to this. So I'm also a why person. I like to know something and then I want to know why. You have children. This is the most annoying characteristic in a child. Why? Why? 
and I'm reaping what I sowed often with my kids, asking me why, because I know I did this to my parents. Why? The great thing about it is though when you are someone that asks why, 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 you can find answers. You can find answers. And so when we think why honor our parents, I want to give you a couple of ideas on this. So Psalms 8, 4 through 6. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet. Notice what God does. He takes an action and his action is crowning them with glory and honor and giving them rule. We see this in scripture, right? That God, right, creates all of this and then he takes humanity, Adam and Eve, and places them at the center, giving them dominion and rule over everything. He says that they are crowned with glory and honor, that it's something that God has bestowed on humanity. He has given them that honor. James 3, 9 through 10 says this, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Why should we not curse them? Because they have been made in the image of God. Why do we honor someone? It is because it has been given by the creator. He has put that on each and every one of you that you have been given honor. You have been given the highest honor that you have been made in his likeness. When we honor our parents, we are really just saying what's already true. Of course we honor them. God has made them in his image. He has given them honor. We are just going, yep, you're right. They're on, they should be honored because God has given it to them. Here's another way to look at this. First um, Peter 2.17 says this, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the emperor. One of the things that we see is that God has established order. I love when I think about the creator of the universe, right? He didn't just create it, but he ordered it. He established it and how it should work. And even to like our, think of like the emperor, our civil people that are in charge of, of kings, emperors, presidents, all of these things. We read passages like in Romans 13 where it says, right, that all authority that has been established, like God's not surprised, he, he's the one that does this. And then when we honor it, it's because we're honoring what God has placed there. So in scripture, we see this, that this is for kind of even civil over the emperor. We see this even in our church. It talks about that we should honor those that are, are, are tasked with taking care of us. And it talks about then honoring our parents because God has established these things. Once again, we are doing this because, yeah, God has placed them in a place of honor. Romans 12:10 says this, but be devoted to one uh, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. 
You can take that verse, and sometimes we separate a verse like honor mother and father, and then we go, man, but I don't know. Like, and, and we struggle with it. And then yet we're like, wait, Scripture teaches, actually we're supposed to be honoring everybody. And so one should frame the other. Yes, parents have a specific, I think, role and honor that we give, but we do honor everyone, which is including our parents. It's not, not including, it's everyone, everyone, and we honor them. And maybe even then, why is God saying this? This is the verse that, that really popped out to me, and it doesn't seem like it speaks to this, but as I studied, uh, it just really just, it was illuminate, illuminating to me of, of what it's being said here. And so this passage is um, Philippians 2, 3 through 8. Let me read it for you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Why do we honor one another? Why Christ comes to, to be a servant, not to be served, to even die for us, even death on a cross, not for the ones who were honorable, not for the ones who deserved it. Another passage says, right, when we were far off from him, like he came, he didn't wait till there was some perfection and then I'm going to bestow this on you. It was given even when we don't deserve it. This is so helpful for me because it challenges me to have the mind of Christ that is given to me, that looks at myself as a servant, as one to serve, not to be served, to bestow honor, not to receive honor. And I imitate the life of Christ who did this, even though it says, right, in very nature, he was God, but he didn't see that as something to use, take advantage of, grasp, seize that word, but instead he emptied himself. Even death on a cross. And so we honor not because someone is honorable. In fact, we show the reason they deserve honor is because we're just giving it to them. All right. So then how does that practically work out? How, how should this, we maybe have some head knowledge now, we see all these verses, there's a lot more to look at, but then how practically should this work out in our lives? I was asking my youngest son, Kobe, uh, we were driving home and I was telling him about what I was working on. And I said, oh, I'm gonna teach about honoring parents. I said, how do you do that? We actually talked about him coming up on stage, but... I said, I'll just, I'll tell everybody what you said. He said, when your parents ask you to clean your room, you don't put your clothes under your bed. And I, I and you know, this is from the mouth of babes, right? And I said, why? He said, because we're supposed to obey our parents. And I was like, right on, buddy. Like, 
right on. Then he told me last night, uh, as we were still talking about it, he goes, you know, another way you honor your parents is by saying nice things to them. He said, dad, you got cool drip on today. See, only a couple, only a couple. Most of it, drip is your clothing, if you didn't know that. And so he was complimenting my clothing. But I was really not very cool. And so I actually think he was, he's, he's so funny. I think he was kind of poking at me. Um, but there is this obedience, especially for children, kids, students. This is how we honor our parents. What's the practical way? How do we honor them? So, there's a couple of verses. Um, Here we go. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Colossians 3, 20. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. One of the things... I've encouraged our kids, our students, just so like if you go, hey, what, what, what does Steve teach my kids about the relationship that they have uh, with their parents? Um, I've, I take that really seriously and, and encourage them. Like obedience is what you're called to at this phase of your life. It's not always agreeing with your parents or understanding them, but you are called to obedience. And in doing so, you honor them which is what God has called you to do. Once again, this is not saying I'm obedient to the point of dishonoring God or putting myself in a position to be abused by them. But we are to be obedient to our parents even when we don't understand everything. Because God has tasked them with protecting us, with guiding us. And how they do in that area is between them and God. And how I do being obedient to them is also now between me and God. But as I was thinking about that, right, both verses in the New Testament get there. You get children. You very, that's a very distinct different word, children. Children obey, children obey. And so then as we get older, is there a point where I don't have to obey my parent anymore? 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, when I stop using them for food, I mean, when I stop washing my clothes at their house, I, what is it, when I get off their cell phone bill? Like, when do we, when do we have to stop being obedient? And so, once again, studying, I, I found this passage interesting. This is out of Deuteronomy 21. So going back to the Old Testament. Um, and talking about how some of the honoring, think Deuteronomy, Leviticus, a lot of it fleshes out some of the commands. What does this look like in their society at, at that point? What is God telling them to do? And here's what this says. If someone has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, His father and mother shall take hold of him, bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the town are to stone him to death. They may purge, you may, you must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Once again, severe penalty for this disobedience. But notice who it's talking to right now. It says a son Okay, 
but that he is, they, they say a couple of things. He's disobeyed twice, but then that he's a glutton and a drunkard. And so we're not talking about a child anymore. At the least, we're talking about maybe kind of a young adult up to even an adult child. At that culture at the time, right, children are not leaving the, like, going off, getting a new house. You are most likely, especially as the son, and you get married, right, you build on to your father's tent. You stay with the family. You take over the business. You start providing for the family. And so where we see that word glutton, sometimes we always think of, oh, we overate. That word can really mean like worthless, like void of anything kind of good. There's no value there, over even over than indulgence. And so we're talking about someone that's, man, not, not adding any value to this family. Drunkard is exactly what you think it means. Drinks way too much, overindulge. So maybe I'm doing nothing over here. I'm worthless and I'm over-consuming everything, right? Maybe a value in the family. This is not talking about a child anymore. This is talking about more of, I would say, leaning towards adult now, maybe even farther. And so in our culture currently, we're big into independence, right? Like we're a country that's founded on the Declaration of Independence. But culturally, I, I think this is, in some ways, this hurts us because we start to push our parents away going, I'm an adult now. I don't have to listen to what you say. And yet your parent has years of wisdom to bestow on you if you would just listen. And maybe their advice I actually need to hear. And maybe, this is a crazy one. Maybe I listen, obey some of their direction, what they think, just because they're my parent. And I'm not saying there isn't seasons where there's disagreements and all of that. But for us that are maybe older in the room, like how do I obey my parents? Am I obeying them? Remember, this obedience then is tied to how I honor them. Let me maybe speak to some of you that um, no longer are children. You wouldn't call yourself a child. And how does this practically work out with my parent? Um, Proverbs 23, 22 says this, listen to your father who gave you life. Your mother when she is old. I'll go and I'll read this next one, then I'll explain some to you. First Timothy 5, 1 through 8. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. The widow who is really in need and left all alone puts her hope in God and continues night and day to pray and ask God for help. But the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she is alive. Give the people these instructions so that no one may be open to blame. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
in Proverbs and the beginning of this passage, we have words about how we are to speak to our mothers and our fathers. Once again, this is highlighting again, do, are we cursing them? Are we demeaning them? Are we bringing them down? Or are we building them up with the things that we say? Sometimes we talk nicely to them to their face and then to our spouse or our children or our friends and we curse them. Honor is not just about the words that we say, but it very much includes the words that we say. How am I speaking of my parents in Proverbs that this is how we should be when Paul writes Timothy. That's the Timothy passage. Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy, probably a young pastor of, hey, here's how you are to interact with people. Here's the things I, you should be teaching them, encouraging them in. Here's how you are to treat the older men, the older women. And then we get this passage about the widows, those whose husband has died. And what do we do with them? And notice what it says. That those, if the widow has children or grandchildren, that they are tasked with supplying the needs for them. This means clothing and shelter, food, right? Because they don't have someone to do that for them. And he says, in doing this, you are repaying them. My grandma is 95. Um recently got rid of her car and I took her out the other day to Kroger's to get a couple of supplies that she needed. And I'm not saying this to like, oh, Steve's give me a pat on the back, but she has the hardest time. I'm going, grandma, just give me a call. I'll take you. No problem. And she's like, no, no, no. You got a busy family, a busy life. Like, I don't want to impose on you, right? Maybe you have parents like that. And then yet you are saying, and what I tell her all the time, I'm like, Grandma, I, I want to do this for you. This is like me giving back. My, my grandma and grandfather lived right next door to us. And I remember camping out in our tent in the backyard, you know, like little kids do. And Grandma in the, on Saturday morning would like yell for us, like, who wants waffles? I needed picked up from my wrestling practice because my parents couldn't grab me and grandma came and got me. My grandparents, my bike tire went flat and I took it over. And so I tell her, I go, grandma, I, like, I'm trying to just give back what you have given to me. And I think that helps frame even some of the times where I feel like it's imp like I have to do this. I'm like, no, I don't have to. I'm going to choose because it's identifying all the things that they have done for me. And if you got, want to come on up, um, kind of close with this. Notice what it says there as well is that if you don't do this, well, sorry, if you do this, this is actually a way you're putting your religion into practice. You're putting your faith into practice. That really st stood out to me. The way that I take care of my parents is a way that I put my faith into action. And when I deny doing this, when I stop doing this, remember at the end of the passage, that's hard. The one who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. That's hard.
but God calls us to honor our parents. And, and let me say this to you. You could be sitting in this room and maybe this is just so difficult to hear because your parent has not been the parent that they should be. They have wronged you or wounded you. And not just maybe they kind of, they, they had a quick temper a little bit and they, not like, maybe it's deep and it's hard. And there's real wounds there. I, I am not saying that honoring them means just forgetting everything. Not saying honoring, you just, you just go like, oh, nothing happened or I put myself back into that position. What I am challenging you to do is can I take on the mind of Christ who showed honor to us, who died on our behalf even when we don't deserve it? And can I honor my parents even when they don't deserve it? Even with the mistakes that they've made, the ways that they were dishonorable, I'd be challenged by the word of God that says, man, I'm going to live differently in my interactions with them. And maybe that is separating yourself from them. Maybe it's separating and forgiving them. The way I'm going to honor my mom and dad is I am going to forgive them. Would we not just push this off on someone else? Would we look at it? Would God speak to us? Would be willing to identify areas of my life that, that I've, I for sure, my mom and dad are watching. Like I have not always walked the most honorable road. Yet, can I change that? The power of God's spirit that's living within me. Would you pray with me? Dear God, um, we thank you that you uh, are our ultimate father. You are a good father. And you call us uh, to honor your creation, to honor those image bearers among us. Would we take that call seriously, not push it off? We look deep in our hearts, in our souls. And would you give us the power to do that? It's to forgive, to change a habit, to, to walk in a new way. In your name, amen. shadows of my
doers of the word do what it says. Um, and so maybe for some of you, uh, that first step to honoring your parents is forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't work like a light switch often. Uh, it's not just a flip and all of a sudden I'm, I perfectly forgive them. Sometimes it's, God, help me forgive. Help me forgive. Help me forgive. And that continual choosing to forgive. Maybe for some of you, uh, I would just challenge you, don't wait until your parents' funeral to tell them what you value and admire in them, the ways that they have blessed you. Pastors, we do a lot of funerals and you see that a lot. I wish I would have told them this sooner. And so a real practical step, send, send your parent, grandparent, send them a text, give them a call this week. Actually tell them how much you appreciate what they've done in your life. Honor them with what you say. Or maybe it's, hey, going over and spending the afternoon uh, with the parent or the grandparent uh, and showing them love that way. <laughs> we got some that want to see that. Um, so let me pray for you as we leave. Dear God, um, thank you that we don't do this just on our own power. Um, that we don't just try to be better at this, um, that instead that you give us your spirit, that as we stay in step with him, he guides us and directs us. And so would you guide and direct us into the ways that we can honor one another, and especially that those that you have placed in our lives as parents, would you help us do that in your name? Amen. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you here next Sunday.